Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Do you remember the last time you got invited to a wedding? I mean, an ordinary wedding? I realize, of course, that it's been a while now since things like weddings have been celebrated in a normal way, so you may have to cast your memory a long way back, but surely you remember. And do you remember the part of the wedding when there were a bunch of virgins? Now, I know that the word that is used in the New Revised Standard Version I just read from is bridesmaids, but the Gospel text actually only says virgins in the original language. A bunch of virgins, whose job it was to wait around at the bridegroom's house for him to bring his new bride home and, well, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you know what I mean. And they were supposed to greet the couple with bright lamps and happy smiles. And you know how it sometimes used to happen that the bride and the groom got delayed for hours with all the feasting and drinking and the well-wishing, and some of the virgins, who hadn't planned ahead and brought some extra oil for their lamps, would run out, you know. How funny it would be when they had to leave and, and go buy some more oil, and they weren't there when the couple actually arrived, and they ended up missing the whole party. Oh, do you remember how we used to laugh when that happened? Oh, <laughs> foolish, foolish virgins. <laughs> what? You don't remember that? Oh, man, I'm glad. I thought I was losing it. I thought this pandemic had been going on so long that I'd completely forgotten what a normal wedding looked like. So, I'm not the only one who is really struggling to make sense of that parable from the Gospel of Matthew about the ten virgins at the wedding. I mean, obviously Jesus was trying to make a point by telling that parable, but the wedding customs that he referred to, customs that all of the people in the crowd who heard him tell that parable could understand without even thinking about it, well, they're just plain weird to us. So it seems to me that I have two options here. If I want to help people understand this parable of Jesus, I could spend a lot of time explaining ancient wedding customs so we could get the point. The only problem with that is that I can't really say that I understand what the customs were. I'm not really sure anybody does. Because the wedding customs of ancient peasants are not generally the kind of thing that gets written down in ancient sources. So, I'm going to take another option. I'm going to try and see if I can retell Jesus' parable within a system and some customs that we already understand. This is Retelling the Bible.
Episode 4.18, The Parable of the Ten Virgin Voters. It was election night, and the ten voters settled down in front of their television to watch the election results. They were, all of them, first-time voters. They had never voted in an election before, but in each case, something had made them resolve to actually participate in the process this year. So, I guess that you might call them ten political virgins. And five of these political virgins were completely naive about the whole election process. They figured that this whole thing of counting the ballots and declaring the winners couldn't possibly take much time at all. If the local polling place closed at, say, 9 o'clock p.m., then surely everything would be settled by what? 9.05? Surely 9.30 or 10 on the outside. So these foolish voters didn't exactly plan for a long night. A bag of chips and one can of Coke was all they brought to get them through the night. And, of course, they had brought their phones with them with which they expected to live-tweet all of their reactions to the fast-breaking developments as they happened. And, just to make sure, they had charged their phones all the way up until the batteries were almost like three-quarters full. But the other five voters, even if it was their first time, were at least well-versed in election processes and informed about how things were expected to work out. They knew about the intricacies of the Electoral College. They had informed themselves and knew that a lot of people had voted differently this year, and that it would likely take longer to count all of the mail-in and absentee ballots, and even in some places, the early votes. They also knew, though it might soon be very clear who had won the popular vote, that actually didn't matter at all. So having been warned that things might be close in some places and that it might take a very long time for anyone to know who actually won, they were ready to be in it for the long haul. So what did they bring? <laughs> what didn't they bring? They had chips and cheesies and popcorn of all flavors. There were coffee and energy drinks to keep them going through the slow times. They'd also brought some special drinks that they were going to use for a drinking game that they had designed. You know, every time somebody mentions voter fraud, take a drink. Every time somebody mentions voter intimidation, take another. Another for every lawsuit and so on. That really was only just the beginning. 
These people had brought so many supplies and such a wealth of snacks and comfort food that it was piled high upon the coffee table. And as for their cell phones, they had not only charged them all the way to the top, they had brought dozens and dozens of power banks ready to plug in as needed. Oh, they had so much that it was almost ridiculous. And yes, the foolish virgins did indeed laugh at the wise ones who had brought so much to sustain them. But the wise ones smiled and shrugged and said, Let's just wait and see who looks foolish when all is said and done. Now, I don't mean to get into talking about how, exactly, those ten virgins chose to vote. That is their business. They had not all voted the same way. Let's just say that just under half of them had voted one way and just over half the other. And let's say that there were wise and foolish who voted both ways, for they voted for their own reasons and according to their own understanding. But let us also note that they all, in their virgin political innocence, believed in the importance of what they had participated in. They believed, in fact, that the future of their country, of democracy, of perhaps civilization itself, was riding on the results that they were now waiting to hear. So they were understandably impatient to hear what the results would be. And so, they waited and watched. It was a long evening, which was then followed by what seemed to be an even longer night, and then a day that was simply interminable. And even then, after many a moment of hope, followed by a new depth of despair, peppered with many bursts of anger and frustration, after all of that, it seemed that nothing was really resolved. Eventually, the five foolish voters looked up. Their one bag of chips lay empty on the floor, and their can of Coke, long drained, had been crumpled in disgust by someone who had been completely scandalized by something that some talking head had said on a panel. They had twitted and tweeted until their thumbs were blistered, but now their phones were languishing at 3% charge. They were hungry, exhausted, and strung out. They were done. And so the five foolish voters went to the five wise voters and said, You guys have so much. You have snacks and drinks, and you still have lots of full power banks. Maybe if you would just share a little bit from all of this bounty that you have, 
maybe we will all be able to hold on until we learn the news that will save us all. But the wise virgins said no. They said that if they were to give what they had prudently brought to carry themselves through until the results were known, there would not be enough for everybody. Now, this angered the foolish virgin voters more than anything that had happened yet. And they stood up and said, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Let's just put an end to this right now. If we were to just stop counting the votes, this never-ending nightmare could be over. And so they went out, and they went to the Supreme Court and argued with them, saying, it doesn't matter if they haven't finished counting the votes of people who voted in certain ways. We just can't stand waiting anymore. Make it all stop and give us an answer now. And so they argued and argued and argued and time continued to pass. Meanwhile, back in front of the television, the wise virgin voters continued to wait for something to happen. Something that would indicate to them that there was a reason to hope, that their lives could mean more than a mere scramble to survive in a COVID-infected, largely dysfunctional world. And then, at some point, well, those foolish virgins were off making their arguments. It happened. What happened? Well, there were some developments towards identifying a winner, but it was not really that. There were some close races that began to resolve, but it was not that. No, it was rather that as these things were going on, the wise voters began to realize that if the kingdom of heaven was going to come, it was going to have to come in them. And they went into an inner room and shut the door. They began to plan whether or not they had the support of this party or that party, this leader or that one, they would see that kingdom come. And while they were there, in that inner room, with the doors locked and the foolish voters who thought that the only thing that mattered was who won and who lost, returned. And they cried out to the wise virgins locked in that inner room, and they asked to be part of what they were doing. But those in the inner room cried out and said, Go away! for you have not understood the commitment we have made. And so the foolish voters remained in the outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, and everyone is perpetually condemned to wait and think that maybe, maybe in the next election, there will finally be salvation.
Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish virgins, is one of many he seems to have told to encourage people to wait and to be prepared. He says that by reflecting on this story, we should be able to find out what the kingdom of heaven is. I love these parables. And I struggle sometimes to understand exactly what it is that we are supposed to be waiting for and what it actually means to be prepared. It is hard enough when you have a parable like this one that makes cultural assumptions that we really know nothing about. But in recent American political events, we saw a situation unroll where there was a great need for patience and anticipatory waiting in which we could perhaps finally understand how hard waiting can be. So, my question is this. I think we have just lived through some events that do well illustrate the kind of waiting that Jesus was talking about in this parable. So where, where, in what we just lived through, is the kingdom of heaven? My personal opinion is that it's not to be found in this candidate or in that one, in this party or that. But I still believe that there is a bridegroom and that if we remain prepared in the right ways, he will come, we will be part of it. And as for time, it will take what it takes. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so you can get the next one in a couple of weeks. A five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or some other podcasting platform is a great way to help other people find this podcast. The theme music for the podcast is Ada, and the mood music for this episode is Carefree. The music is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under the Creative Commons, and can be found at incompetech.com. You can contact me on Twitter at Retelling Bible, on the Facebook page Retelling the Bible. Show notes for this episode have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless.